You are listening to Rouge, White, and Blue, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. CFL podcast. I guess we'll call this one the Stamps Are Back edition. My name is Oz Davis. I'll be your co-host for the show. Joining me, as always, is my friend and co-host and suddenly beleaguered Blue Bombers fan, Joe Pritchard. Joe, it's a solemn occasion. How are you? There's no subtly about that. <laughs> Even when they're winning, you just have this, we're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. That's all it is. Well, you're not, but at that point, you're not beleaguered. You're like. Leaguered? De- yeah, deleaguered or C-leaguered. I don't know. Let's talk. Well, I mean, we usually, here on the Rouge, Right, Blue, go right into the games. And of course, the first game played last weekend was the Bombers on Sunday. However, I did want to get this in there. Joe, we are such losers. That last week's show was our 150th, and I didn't even get to drop in my favorite, one of my favorite words, which I believe is sesquicentennial, which means 150th. It's our 150th show last week, so we should have pointed that out we didn't. Uh, we'll, we'll save it for the important ones, like the bicentennial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a year and a half away, I'd say, maybe two years. Uh, so I just wanted to point that out. I, I don't know. That's some kind of milestone. I'm surprised we're in triple digits, actually. All right, so let's talk last week's game, starting with Saskatchewan Rough Riders 19, Winnipeg Blue Bombers 17, or the Strebler versus Bajardo show. Uh, Joe, I'll, you know, I, I always let you run the victory lap when your team wins, so I'm going to have you kind of explain this last second loss to me, but let me ask you this one first. Does the name Charleston Hughes elicit any bad memories for you even before this game? Uh, let's see. Lots of games where the Bombers lost to Calgary, but that was the expected result, so, you know. Okay, so nothing specific. Nothing right. specific. It's just... To me, he always seems to rip it up against Winnipeg. And in this game, two big sacks uh, just leading a, a very impressive says very impressive Saskatchewan pass rush. Lots going on there. But please, go on. Tell me. What happened? What happened here? Well, I was going to say that maybe not remembering specific instances where Charles Hughes destroyed our, my franchise, probably a mental health thing. <laughs> just, you know, maybe one of those denial things where it's just right. like, you know what, if I don't think about it, maybe it didn't happen. Well, those uh, and it's kind of, the, kind of how I'm going to think about this one, too. Uh, to be honest, though. Uh, I had no faith going into this game that it would be any good whatsoever. So having the team stick with it even after the rough first quarter until the final gun, eh, you know what? It, it could have been a lot worse. 
Wow, see, I was wondering about your state of mind not being on Twitter during this game. And, and wondering, because, again, this is one that the Bombers could have won. I mean, this was one of their best defensive showings all year. Uh, five sacks from five different players. Um, you know, basically kept the Bombers in this game until that last drive. It's Labor Day. The Bombers lose on Labor Day. And they find <laughs> ways to lose on Labor Day, uh, either in spectacular fashion or just heartbreaking fashion. One of the two. Uh, actually, there was there was a little something that was going on during the fourth quarter of that game, uh, where I had I was texting back and forth a little bit with my buddy uh, Cam, who is the person that hosts me when I go up there. Uh, he was also the best man at my wedding. That kind of thing. Uh, so let's see. Life is a Bombers fan in five texts. Uh, as oh. they're as they're um, actually going ahead, I believe he go he goes to me and says, "Of course they have to toy with my heart." <laughs> I respond back, "Why do I do this to myself?" He responds back, laughing my ass <laughs> off. The two most Bomber fan texts ever. And I respond, at this point I know they're winning when I respond saying this, and says the only question in play is how they'll break our hearts. <laughs> yes, was his response. And they did proceed to break our hearts. So, uh, oh. to, say, to say that this was preordained is maybe a little bit of a stretch, but at least in our hearts it was. Okay. All right. We'll talk about next week's game. The Banjo Bowl, later on in the show. I assume that you're tempering any sort of positivity for that game as well, Joe? Well, there was a lot of positive things. I mean, the defense uh, gave up 19 points uh, when the offense put them in a few predicaments that were not very good. Uh, The offense decided to wake up in the fourth quarter and make it a game. Uh, I was a little bit surprised that... uh, the offensive play calling was so standard for the first three quarters. I could almost imagine them trying to hold something back for banjo ball, except that's not how a coach's mind should work. No, a coach's mind should not work like a fan's mind going, this game is a write-off. Let's save something for next week. Well, it took them three quarters to go to Strebler's strengths. Uh, or that could have just been Strebler looking up, finding nobody open and just deciding, yeah, I'm just going to run now. <laughs> and then he did that the whole fourth quarter and it tended to work pretty well. Uh, I do another positive thing. If I'm going to be doing that game for a moment is Johnny Augustine. Uh, our buddy, John Hodge over at blue bomber talk has been uh, singing this guy's praises from the very beginning, even as he went undrafted. And there's been and in that same draft, a bunch of first round busts. This guy goes undrafted. It has to, you know, wait a couple of years for his turn. And it turns out that he's a pretty good player on his own. Uh, we could talk about the numbers as far as the rushing total go, and they're pretty decent. Uh, but it looked like he knew what he was doing as a football player. The riders were sending pressure quite often as traveler. And Augustine knew what to do about it. He was picking up the blitz better than I've seen many CFL running backs do. In this, his first start, uh, it can 
probably only get better from here. And it looks like uh, he's going to be a player somewhere, somewhere down the line. Anyway, uh, he's obviously going to be finishing this season as a backup to Harris, but who knows what happens when he becomes a free agent at this point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was wondering what your take was going to be on Augustine because the numbers aren't awesome. Uh, Yeah, sure. On the surface, he's 12 for 89. But, you know, one of those was the 55-yard. So he's only going for about four yards of carry here other than this. So not exactly mind-blowing. But you're right. He looked competent. You're right. It's his first game. Uh, Saskatchewan does have a heck of a defense as well. They've got a heck of a front eight going on there. So so no no shame in only getting uh, four yards per carry in on this day. Uh, but And the other thing I wanted to say is that, yeah, sure, there's no way Coach is going to take pedal off the metal, banjo, bull next week, or no. They're playing without their quarterback and their halfback. Now they've got, what, half a game lead or one-point lead, however you like to say it, on the West? Uh, you're playing every game. Oh, yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you know, which, is you know, what, which is what was so hard to fathom about how they were going about. Uh, the play calling, because they were calling a Matt Nichols game for Chris Streveler for the first three quarters. Mm, yeah, that's a fair assessment. And the other thing, too, is Streveler, of course, was not as careful with the ball as Nichols would be, uh, and threw a couple of backbreaking interceptions, too. I mean, as a, as a young quarterback, he's going to do things like that. It's just uh, I can count at least six points he took off the board by... Either, either getting a little bit happy with the ball, or not even just picking up the fact that there was a rider standing in between him and the guy who was throwing a hitch screen to. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah, 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 yeah. That was not that was not a great maneuver. Um, but I have to, the... what I have to question on the rider side of the ball though, uh, when they're okay. playing offense, is where was William Powell all day until the final drive? Yeah, yeah. Well, he has disappeared for long stretches of time uh, in this game plan this season, hasn't he? Um, his his numbers are all up and down, especially if you micro it down quarter to quarter. And I'm wondering if this is this sort of predictability is going to hurt the riders down the stretch because it's like as as soon as you get this guy going, you know he's going to get the ball like what four out of the next seven plays so you can start keying on them um yeah yeah it was i mean as as someone with no ponies in the race it was nice to see him get going in this game a little bit in the fourth quarter i don't know maybe that's maybe that's what they're going to do with them look the truth of the matter is that the riders only needed two touchdowns to win this game right so they don't need to like go nuts i mean Fajardo had what 300 300 yards, I believe. It's just right around 300, exactly. 300 on the dot with uh, right. two picks. Decent decent passing percentage. Uh, nothing uh, too long, but that's a Richie Hall defense for right. you. He's going to sit on the long ball and keep you from doing it. And I almost wonder if that's a response to the Bomber defense a few years ago, which was the exact opposite. It was, we're going to stop you... Uh, for most of the game, but we're going to give up two. We're going to have two busts in the secondary, and you're going to score 14 points just by throwing the ball up in the air. Uh, 
Uh, so he seems to have gone a complete 180 from the last from like three years ago on that. And the Riders took very good advantage of that on the final drive uh, because there was no change in that. It was here. We'll give you 10 yards every play if you want it. But they had enough time to go 10 yards every play and get into good field goal range. And that right. was that. Right. Right. It's, it's one of those, has the prevent defense ever worked? <laughs> and the answer is no. Um, right. Let's move on to a bit of a strange game here. Hamilton 38, Toronto 27. Now, last week I picked, sadly monetarily as well, the Toronto Argonauts to not only cover their spread, but win this game outright. I got good odds on it. For a while there, it looked like a genius. Not after the opening play, but after that, uh, the Argos looked really good for three quarters plus. Uh, so, you know, after that opening eight points, the Argos went on a 25 to three run. They even opened the third quarter well. Um, and then, so I was. And then what happened? Well. <laughs> I guess, and then the Tiger Cats became the Tiger Cats, or or Toronto just ran out of plays. Because the other thing that happened was, uh, you know, Hamilton really took this opportunity to cement that reputation as the bad boys of the league this year. I mean, they're starting fights in the first quarter, I believe in the second quarter, if not late in the first quarter. Two ejections and a pair of penalties for the Tiger Cats on the same dust-up. They continue doing so for the remainder of the game, despite having lost two members of their defense. And, wow, I mean, mean, still, uh, they just came through. Now, a lot of this has to do with the fact that Hamilton is pretty damn deep and that defense is pretty good far down the bench. I want to give a shout-out here to Dylan Wynn, who has just been an animal lately. I uh, got another sack in this game. He's already got nine this season, and his previous season night at this point has been six for a full season. So uh, this guy's eating it up. But I don't know. What do you chalk it up to? Did Toronto just run out of plays? Is the Hamilton defense this good? I mean, uh, we, we got a uh, Masoli-like game out of Dane Evans. Yeah, what do you it, chalk up the switch to? It took, it took the Hamilton offense a while to get going, but once it did, it, it couldn't be stopped. Well, after that first drive. I mean, the first drive was just like, you know, move the ball at will. Yeah, yeah. It just... Yeah, you, you mentioned the crazy start to this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, the, with all the, with the fighting and the ejections right off the hop here, Toronto seemed to gain some energy off of that, but... They couldn't sustain it in the second half, yeah. which has been a problem for them. Usually, usually, usually this Toronto team has been good for a half, whether it's the first or the second half. It's <laughs> it's up in the air, but they haven't yet found a way to put it all together. And Hamilton was more than willing to uh, remind them of that uh, as the third quarter started to wear on. Mm-hmm. To me, it's not clear that the Tiger Cats are the class of the CFL yet, even though they're one game or two points, I would like to say it, up on the West leader right now, Winnipeg. And we haven't said that for a long time as CFL fans this late in the season. Um, But, 
I think I am certain that Toronto is not one of the. They're not in a class with BC and Ottawa anymore. I liked what McLeod Bethel Thompson was doing. He's really come on in the last five or six games. I'm really impressed. He aired some balls out in this game. I liked what they did there. Uh, I liked how finally, finally, Darrell Walker gets involved. Darrell Walker has had, as an Argo, uh, going into this game, he just had one game of over 85 yards in receiving yards. In this game, 203. 92 after the catch, so... Yay, Darrell. Like to see Darrell Walker get going in this game. Um, I don't know. Any other takeaways for you? Can Toronto make a late run here? They have to do quite a bit. It's too late for them, as far as I'm concerned, to make a playoff run. But they could certainly put Ottawa in their rearview mirror if they keep playing the way they are. Because, uh, let's go back. They hadn't looked good at all until they beat Winnipeg, because, you know, Winnipeg exists to break my heart. Uh, but then ever since, uh, they, their defense couldn't stop Edmonton's offense, which is par for the course because Edmonton takes it to teams that are weaker than they are but can't handle the teams that are better. Uh, but their offense started to keep get going, and the offense has been about the same scoring in the mid-20s uh, ever since. Uh, Montreal had the, had the late victory over them. And then this game. So it's been about a month where that offense has started to figure out what is going on. Now that they have that, they have a leg up on Ottawa because Ottawa's offense has no clue. Uh, and it's going to be probably next year. I, I, I'll talk more about Ottawa when we get to the game preview. Uh, mm-hmm. But I could see Toronto catching them by the end of the season. Well, gee, there are only two games back at Ottawa, but... And they, play uh, th- and they play three against them in the next ten weeks. So Yeah, there you go. Well, th- thanks for saying that, Joe. That implies that they're not going to catch my Matra Alouettes who are four and a half up on them. Or the Eskimos who are four and a half up on them as well. No, I think our <laughs> playoff teams are pretty well set right now. Wow. Wow. Well, if you can tell me the order of the West, I'd much appreciate it because there's still money to be made at the sports book for me. Edmonton will finish fourth. The rest of it is up in the air. Wow. Okay. All right. Yeah, but what's the record going to be? I need that. <laughs> I need game to game, Joe. <laughs> well, on. let's How see. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's talk. Wow. I mean, for me, not necessarily the most exciting game of the week, but the game of the week, the telling game of the week, shall we say. Calgary Stampeders 25, Edmonton Eskimos 9. Wow. It's like we're suddenly teleported to about halfway through last year when this team was just making mincemeat of any would-be competitors. Bo Levy Mitchell is back. Little bit of a slow start, but hey, can't complain about the final results. Uh, 19 of 28 for 263 and one touchdown versus zero picks. And basically he out small balled Trevor Harris on the other side of the field, eh? <laughs> Yeah, they outdid Edmonton in just about every facet of this one. Absolutely, they did. Uh, Offensive line, of course, kept Bo Levy absolutely more or less unthreatened in this game. Uh, As we mentioned, Bo Levy's stats before, 10 of those 19 receptions 
for 138 yards, and, and the one touchdown, the one receiving touchdown, went to Reggie Bagleton, who, talk about another guy who's been killing it lately. Uh, five touchdowns in the last two games and over 300 yards combined in those last two games. Uh, on defense, you know, the defense wasn't killing it statistically. One fumble, one interception, and two sacks. But as weak as Edmonton has been in the red zone this season, they just weren't going to score on Calgary in this game. And since we've pretty much, uh, just since you've pretty much already gushed a little bit about Calgary. Again, tell me, Joe, Edmonton fans have got to be worried going forward, right? This is as good as it gets. This is who they are. And right. I will get and I was mentioned I was gonna to get to Ottawa. Let's talk about them here right now. Because we know Ottawa has tr- ha- is having a lot of trouble on offense this year. And it's because of a lack of production at the quarterback position. They had Trevor Harris last year, but they decided to move on for him for whatever reason. Maybe this is the reason. Maybe they looked at the shiny numbers he puts up all the time, but yet knew that there was something not quite there. Because uh, Ottawa fans will tell you that they that they know exactly what Edmonton fans are going through right now. I'm sure <laughs> they want Trevor Harris back at the moment because, well, look at what, at what ended up happening. But if you would have asked them, hey, you're tossing Harris back into the free agent pool – but you've got a shot at a couple of these other free agents. What do you do? Maybe they would have taken the same gamble uh, Desjardins did last year or this last off season and tried to improve their stock. Uh, I have nothing against Harris as a player. He's excellent in between the twenties. There's just something that's followed him from Ottawa to Edmonton about not being able to put the ball in the end zone. Once you got inside that 20 yard line. I don't, See that? I don't know. I, I'm not smart enough football-wise to go, this is the problem. But there is definitely a problem. I could diagnose oh. that. Okay, the theory makes makes sense except for this. They just went out and rolled the dice and paid John Jennings probably a similar amount of money. I don't think Jennings was going to make that much money, especially if he wasn't even given the chance to be a starter. Coming in. Well, yeah, but he was supposed to be the starter. He got replaced in the in the preseason. Yeah, yeah they, so they like, really didn't. They really did. Um, I not from my not to my knowledge, did they threw a lot of money at him. Oh, uh, because he was what was left basically after right, okay. after everything after the roller after the merry-go-round stopped. Um, if that's if that's the case, because I don't know, I thought that they jumped at him too quickly. Um, I thought that, um, yeah, of course, we don't know the salary that he's getting, but I, I was concerned that because he was perceived to be what, one of the top four or five quarterbacks available that he was going to get overpaid. Um, so probably is in some way, shape or form simply because he's at that position. Uh, but I have to wonder either Ottawa made a terrible gamble mm-hmm. or, on either on trying to go get one of the top two guys that were mentioned as free agents, uh, Riley right. Mitchell, or they really thought they had an ace in the hole with Dominic Davis, which is a questionable choice in my mind, obviously, and I questioned it from the get-go. But I can't, I can't see any other reason why they move on from Harris, uh, except for they believe that they could do better. 
Unless Harris moved on from him. It could very well be, and there was some discussion that they had agreed to a number, but then there was some some uh, last-minute uh, things uh, that went on that may not have been um, favorable to Harris, or he didn't feel welcome there anymore or anything like that. That's way back in the past. I can't remember any details, and it was all speculation to begin with, so I'm not going to give that too much play here. <laughs> but Way back in the past. It was like eight months ago. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Like I'm not gonna remember exactly what the what the alleged split between the team them come from, but I would imagine that if the Ottawa franchise thought that Harris was their franchise guy, they'd have stepped up and said, "Here's franchise money. Uh, please shut up and take my money." It just it just puts Edmonton in this completely exposed position where basically any one of the other playoff teams has a good enough defense that they're just not going to allow this team to score touchdowns. You know, with, with all the, with all the red blacks that these guys got in the off season, they should have taken the kicker too. <laughs> exactly. Right. Uh, but, <laughs> you know, but Hey, but Hey, uh, Sean White's been doing a fantastic job too. We just oh, yeah. don't, we oh. don't talk about him nearly as much as Lewis Ward because he misses one every couple of months. <laughs> Right. Yeah, that's right. We should give more respect to some of the kickers around the league because we like to give respect to the kickers and punters. We do, we do believe the... kickers are people too. That's uh, a... We just haven't spent a lot of time talking about them this year because there hasn't been a whole lot to talk about because they're not missing a lot of kicks. I guess, yeah. And all the action, all the emphasis on the special teams has been on these insane runbacks. Oh, yeah. We actually... We actually haven't seen one in, in a week or two here, a week, week and a half, two weeks. So. I, know, I know, we're overdue. Yeah, 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 hoping for some this weekend. We'll talk about this weekend's games right after this break. Before we do, Joe, I hear that um, there's some other football league that's starting play on Thursday down here south of the border. What is that, like the XFL something like that? Uh, I, I believe it's this league called the National Football League. Uh, I oh, think they're okay. even celebrating that's... some sort of uh, anniversary or some such. Maybe even a centennial. Not the, not the USFL, that damn uh, oh, so that's why they're starting the season with Packers Bears on Thursday night football. Yeah. Hey, and if you're betting this game, take the Bears minus three points. That's a ridiculous line. The Bears are going to destroy them. I but wish I case. could tell you otherwise, but I can't. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is, it just over the last decade, it just makes me sad that every time the Packers play the Bears, it's always at night. That game mm. uh, belongs on a slightly drizzly October afternoon in the mud. Mm. That's where that belongs. But let's uh, move I on. I think it's on Thanksgiving this year, though, isn't it? It might very well be. I, don't, I couldn't Yeah, I think it is. Because the Bears got all the... Ah, just briefly. The Bears got like some like seven primetime games. They got Thanksgiving, and they got a London game. They got the crazy schedule. It's going to be really interesting for the Bears. But anyway, we're talking CFL football, which I guess 
out of deference to that NFL Thursday night start, does not start on Thursday this week. We start on Friday this weekend. Am I right? Friday. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, last week actually didn't start till Sunday, but they're right. going back to Friday night football for the rest of the season. Uh, good, re- uh, good a reason as any. Uh, to look forward to Fridays. I hear there's some other reasons to look forward to Fridays too, but hey, <laughs> this is a, this is about as good as it gets for me. Uh-huh. Uh Yeah, yeah. I thought it was I thought it was really clever of the CFL to schedule those games on Sunday and Monday last week because that's basically the last time they're not going to have any competition on Sunday and Monday from the NFL for the rest of the year, right? So. I thought that was a pretty clever play by them. I mean, yeah, I know it's Liberty weekend, but they easily could have staggered it out like they often do, you know, go Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. But this time they just put everything on Sunday, Monday, because this is the last free Sunday, Monday. <laughs> so let's take advantage of it. And we're back to Friday. So back to Friday with a game I'm very much looking forward to, but quite a bit nervous about. BC Lions, seven-point underdogs at Montreal, glory be. I thought I'd never see the day when I saw that line. Both teams are coming off a bye. However, neither team has won off a bye this season. Montreal is still the last team to have played nine games, but they've already lost twice coming off of a bye. This is their third and final bye before we have to marathon down to the stretch. Um, BC, of course, is 0-1 coming off a bye, and most BC win-loss records are 0-something this year, except for games won by a Rouge on the last second. Um, how do you like this game panning out, Joe? I don't think you have anything to worry about. Okay. Uh, it's okay. BC coming out east, which is dicey at the best of times, and this isn't the best of times for them. Sure, they've made some changes. They got a week off to try to get things together, so they fired their offensive line coach because Mike Bradley holds the ball too long, uh, I guess. So, so if you can't get rid of it fast enough, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, it, it's not good in BC, and it's not going to get much better anytime soon. I've got Montreal in this one, as long as Vernon Adams stays on his two feet. There shouldn't be anything to worry about. Well, I'm hoping we can run a lot more because hopefully William Stanback will be back in this game. I will get another look at that nice two-headed monster that we potentially have up there. This team could be deadly on the ground. I'd like to see a lot of running yards in this game. I'll take Montreal. I hope they win by more than a touchdown. They really, really should against that BC team. Right, let's go to this next game. I don't know. I'm uh, I'm really wondering about this line. I'm going to be outrageous. Toronto is somehow a five-point underdog at Ottawa in a game that, you know, I'm crazy and masochistic enough to take Toronto again. I may even bet them again. John Jennings will be starting for the Red Blacks. Uh, but I'm so impressed with what McCloyd Bethel Thompson has been doing. McLeod, sorry. Bethel Thompson uh, has been doing uh, as a quarterback. I, 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 Toronto defense has shown some signs of life lately. I think Toronto's going to win. I think you're right. Uh, hmm. And the fact that Ottawa is getting more than the three, point, the three points that are generally given to a home team. Uh, that yeah. makes me wonder if Vegas is paying any attention because 
Ottawa has just not had it over the last little while. Uh, and whereas Toronto has at least been competitive in their games, Ottawa's offense has just not kept up. Uh, I'm going back. The last time they scored more than 20 points was against Montreal, and two of those touchdowns, I believe, came on those returns, if you, if I'm remembering correctly. Am I right on now, that? Don't, uh, yes, because I've been keeping track of how many games they've gone without an offensive touchdown, and I believe now it's five. And you know the last time they scored more than 20 points before that one? Week two. It's that, right. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You look at weeks one and two, and you just take those right off the board. <laughs> because those two games, like, basically never existed. I don't know what happened in the bye week that Ottawa had in week three, but their brains got sucked up by aliens or something. Because, wow, those first two games were, like, you know, those are kind of like, there's a lot of these games in the NFL in the first couple of weeks where these rope-a-dope games. Last year, the Miami Dolphins, who were one of the worst teams in the league, started the year 3-0. and uh, And those two games were rope-a-dope games for these Red Blacks because I think they scored more in those first two games than they've scored all season since. Well, let's see. Because it was they like certainly 44 had more and 32, and they've scored 193. Uh, not exactly, not but quite. darn yeah. close. Yeah, so that would be 14 plus 92. It'd be 106. Yeah, they've only scored 106 points since those first two games. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. This team is awful. <laughs> right. Okay, so I'll take Toronto to win. Joe will take Toronto to win. Okay, now, these last two games. Wow. Repeats last week. Games of the week, probably. Both of these are on uh, Saturday? Oh, yes, it's Saturday triple header, isn't it? This is a day where Oz is going to sit in front of the TV for nine hours and ignore any and all obligations he has in life because that's Dude, what you're supposed a, to do. This is the weekend. This is the weekend I'm going to be doing this. This is going to be four nights that I'm going to be doing this. Oh, my God. Oh, my wife is going to hate me. All right. Let's talk about this one. Saskatchewan, one-point underdogs at Winnipeg. So, essentially, this is more or less a pick, unless you believe in ties. But we still haven't seen a tie yet this year, although Ottawa's not playing this game. Right, basically a pick'em game. Now, I'm not sure what this means at the sports book either. Last time I checking, uh, Mr. Strebler's still going to be the quarterback. Last time I checked, Andrew Harris misses this game with a performance-enhancing drug violation as well. And wow, Saskatchewan, again I say it, Saskatchewan defense looked really, really good last week. I mean, how'd you like, uh, for example, how'd you like Solomon Aluminium? Nine tackles. This guy was everywhere last week. That was the first really game he's played in uh, Saskatchewan. I really, really enjoyed his performance last week. Um, I I don't know, Joe. I gotta say, you know, Saskatchewan sweep here. I gotta say, sorry. I mean, what's your record? Okay, so you're going up to see this game. You're going up to Winnipeg this weekend to see this game. What's your record in Canada again? Don't ask. <laughs> I believe it's like one in five, isn't it? When the Bombers are playing, the Bombers are one in five. Yeah, when yeah, and then I've seen. When you see them live. Well, yeah. let me count: three Labor Days, and okay. going to Hamilton. So my first four games were. Less than inspired choices if I wanted to see the Bombers actually win. 
<laughs> then I've seen two Banjo Bowls where they've won and lost, so that's one and five. Oh yeah, and then Toronto, one and six. Uh, wow. yeah, actually, yeah. they should be paying me to stay home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> How about it? Best of both worlds, huh? All right, <laughs> not bad. Maybe, see, maybe you should try the thing where you go to Winnipeg, but you don't go to the game. Uh, well, that's the <laughs> point. That wouldn't be it, because it's cool, right? Um, you still got the vibe. Um, do they do that thing where they put the uh, they put the game on a big TV outside? Uh, I don't believe so, but I've always been inside, so. Right. Maybe. Okay. Uh, I'm going Saskatchewan. Are, are you going Saskatchewan as well in this game? Or are you going to go uh, one and seven? Uh, yeah, I'm going one and seven because Saskatchewan's going to win this. That was a best case scenario setup for the Bombers last week. Uh, their offense scored enough to keep them competitive, and they they made a couple mistakes, but nothing that they could that they couldn't have survived had they made one more big play at the end. Um, I with a with a week of tape, and with a uh, with Saskatchewan having knowledge of how, what works against Winnipeg's defense and what doesn't off of their game plan, and knowing that the Bombers probably maxed out their offensive potential in that game, because I believe Saskatchewan's going to adjust to the dual-headed running back the Bombers had in the fourth quarter. I'm not liking how this is going to pan out. Hmm. See, that's a really interesting take because what I thought was is that the defense left everything on the floor. I mean, they were coming from everywhere, Joe. They had five sacks, five different guys, hitting guys for a loss frequently. Um, and I wanted to ask you this in reference to that. Normally, very I shouldn't say normally, but very often it seems to me in these back-to-backs, uh, especially the Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and Calgary, Edmonton back-to-backs, if the one game is low-scoring, the other game tends to be high-scoring because it's all about response, right? Do you th- do we expect a high-scoring game? Are we looking at a 32-30? No, uh, I just I have trouble seeing a Chris Trevler-led team without the dual threat of Andrew Harris in the backfield, so that the team can't try to focus on keeping Trevler in the pocket uh, and mm-hmm. that alone. Uh, I don't think that team has enough firepower. Okay, well, let me ask you this one. Do you think that Edmonton has enough firepower? They are, I honestly don't believe this is correct, but they are two-and-a-half-point favorites at home versus Calgary. I suppose that's at home because it is said that you get the three-point you get the three point advantage at home. Maybe in the CFL it's two-and-a-half. But I can't figure this one. I like Calgary to win. The only question for me is, what's the over-under line? So I'm going to try and find that. But, Joe, what do you think in this game? Somebody in Vegas is asleep at the switch. I think he <laughs> might be rich this week. Uh, Calgary? And I don't know if it's going to be any closer than it was last week. Uh, maybe the home field gives Edmonton a little bit of a bump. But, uh, no. No. I don't see it. I, I see Calgary's defense clapping down on Edmonton's uh, offense again. And at that point, all Calgary needs to do is score a couple touchdowns, and this one's done. Okay. 
Okay, so this is the lowest scoring over under of the week, 47.5. Okay, so that would be, that'd be about a three point game. So that's about 40, 24. That's about 25, 22. Can it get that high? It can get that high. 35, 12? I was going to say, <laughs> it can get that high if Calgary. Steps on the gas offensively. Scores a lot of touchdowns. But yeah. that's also yeah. not been their modus operandi the past couple seasons no. either. They've no. been the team to win the 28-25 to 25 games. Right, right. They're the team that typically does enough to win that Hamilton has been doing all season this season. Right, and, Cal- and, and, and Calgary is back. I don't think anybody missed them besides no. Calgary fans. <laughs> But they're back, and the horsemen, the horsemen missed them. Gonna, it's gonna be a three-way race to the finish. I just hope Winnipeg has the legs to get to keep it a race by the end. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, look, well, look, Joe. Again, this happened last year, right? They had the blip, they had the injuries, they had the you know players sitting on the bench, whatnot, for like what was that? Five games? Four games? Five games? Yeah, they I think had- it was six weeks. Uh, where the and they lost five in a row. Right, where Matt Nichols forgot to protect the football. <laughs> right, <laughs> that was a heck of a run. Uh, and he was without his favorite wide receiver, if I recall correctly, um, for those weeks. And so, you know, they went on five. But look, then they made the playoffs and they made you know a run. Um, I think that this is a blip. I think the problem is is that Saskatchewan is so damn hot right now, and Calgary just shifted gears. With the return of Bo Levy and the defense, like, surprise, we're here. Right. Had Calgary not shifted gears in this split been a couple of weeks later or earlier, I might have felt better. But the schedule is not right. easy during this split at all. Right. Right. Well, like they uh, don't maybe. even catch they don't even catch a BC during this right. to make you go. Well, at least they won't go you know, lose five in a row or anything like that. <laughs> But they might lose five in a row Western games, mostly. Um, ooh, looks dark, especially since if you figure that Edmonton's going in at that four, which you basically just guaranteed, um, that means that they're in the least enviable position of all. You're going at Saskatchewan, at Calgary, if you make it that far. So, yeesh. Pity the number three team in the West in the CFL once again this year. In any case, all right, Joe. Bon voyage. When are you leaving for Winnipeg? Friday morning at stupid o'clock. <laughs> it's Friday morning at stupid o'clock? Yep. It is Wednesday as we record this at beer o'clock on uh, September 4th for a September 5th release. Um, well, Joe G, I wish you good luck. I wish that cold streak would snap of yours, uh, especially since, again, I don't have a pony in that race, but have a good time anyway. I plan on having a good time because uh, let's put it this way: if I based the if I based my enjoyment of going to see these games on how the bombers did, I'd have quit going a long time ago. So what's the deal? You're gonna get interviewed by a TV station this time? Or? God only knows. Weird <laughs> things tend to happen to me every time I go. Uh, it's it, it's. You're gonna get on the radio with Travis Curra. I mean. <laughs> That's Something? that's a little bit too far away. That's a couple provinces <laughs> over. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if you pressed, if you kept, if you kept pressing a button and fun things kept happening, you'd keep pressing that button, right? 
But you're not hitting the reset button, Joe. That's the thing, man. You're not giving your team any wins. Huh? Uh, well, if I if I had any control over that, it'd be a different right. story. But oh. I don't. So of course, it's the it's the away fans' lament. In any case, for my co-host Joe Pritchard and his long-suffering Winnipeg Blue Bombers cohorts out there in Winnipeg, I'm Oz Davis. This has been the Rouge White Blue CFL podcast. Enjoy this week's games. Hey, and if you must enjoy the NFL games as well. But enjoy the CFL games. Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.